Section 14 of The Secret of the Night by Gaston LaRue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 14 The Marshes. They ascertained the next day that there had been two explosions almost simultaneous, one under each staircase. The two nihilists, when they felt themselves discovered and watched by Ermolai, had thrown themselves silently on him as he turned his back in passing them, and strangled him with a piece of twine. Then they separated each to watch one of the staircases, reasoning that Kuprian and General Trebasov would have to decide to descend. The Dasha des Ilz was nothing now but a smoking ruin but from the fact that the living bombs had exploded separately the destructive effect was diffused and although there were numerous wounded as in the case of the attack on the stylopine dacha at least no one was killed outright that is excepting the two nihilists of whom no trace could be found save a few rags rouletabille had been hurled into the garden and he was glad enough to escape so a little shaken but without a scratch the group composed of Theodore and his friends were strangely protected by the lightness of the dacha's construction, the iron staircase, which, so to speak, almost hung to the two floors, being barely attached at top and bottom, raised under them, and then threw them off as it broke into a thousand pieces, but only after, by its very yielding, it had protected them from the first force of the bomb. They had risen from the ruins without mortal wounds. Kuprian had a hand badly burned. Athanase Georgievich had his nose and cheeks seriously hurt. Ivan Petrovich lost an ear. The most seriously injured was Thaddeus Chichnikov, both of whose legs were broken. Extraordinarily enough, the first person who appeared, rising from the midst of the wreckage, was Matrena Petrovna, still holding Feodor in her arms. She had escaped with a few burns, and the general, saved again by the luck of the soldier whom death does not want, was absolutely uninjured. Feodor gave shouts of joy. They strove to quiet him, because, after all, around him some poor wretches had been badly hurt, as well as poor Ermolai, who lay there dead. The domestics in the basement had been more seriously wounded and burned, because the main force of the explosion had gone downwards, which had probably saved the personages above. Rouletabille had been taken with the other victims to a neighboring dacha, but as soon as he had shaken himself free of that terrible nightmare he escaped from the place. He really regretted that he was not dead. These successive waves of events had swamped him, and he accused himself alone of all this disaster. With acutest anxiety he had inquired about the condition of each of his victims. Feodor had not been wounded, but now he was almost delirious, asking every other minute as the hours crept on for Natasha, who had not reappeared. That unhappy girl Rouletabille had steadily believed innocent. Was she a culprit? Ah, if she had only chosen to, if she had had confidence, he cried, raising anguished hands toward heaven, none of all this need have happened. No one would have attacked, and no one would ever again attack the life of Trebasov for I was not wrong in claiming before Kuprian that the general's life was in my hand, and I had the right to say to him, life for life, give me Matus, and I will give you the general's. And now there has been one more fruitless attempt to kill Feodor Feodorovitch, and it is Natasha's fault, that I swear, because she would not listen to me. And is Natasha implicated in it? Oh, my God! Rouletabille asked this vain question of the divinity, for he expected no more help in answering it on earth. 
natasha innocent or guilty where was she what was she doing to know that to know if one were right or wrong and if one were wrong to disappear to die thus the unhappy rouletabille muttered as he walked along the bank of the neva not far from the ruins of the poor dacha where the joyous friends of feodor feodorovitch would have no more good dinners never so he soliloquized his head on fire and all at once he recovered trace of the young girl that trace lost earlier a trace left at her moment of flight after the poisoning and before the explosion and had he not in that a terrible coincidence because the poison might well have been only in preparation for the final attack the pretext for the tragic arrival of the two false doctors natasha natasha the living mysteries surrounded already by so many dead not far from the ruins of the dacha rouletabille soon made sure that a group of people had been there the night before coming from the woods near by and returning to them he was able to be sure of this because the boundaries of the dacha had been guarded by troops and police as soon as the explosion took place under orders to keep back the crowd that hurried to eliaguin he looked attentively at the grass the ferns the broken and trampled twigs certainly a struggle had occurred there he could distinguish clearly in the soft earth of a narrow glade the prints of natasha's two little boots among all the large footprints he continued his search with his heart heavier and heavier he had a presentiment that he was on the point of discovering a new misfortune the footprints passed steadily under the branches along the side of the neva from a bush he picked a shred of white cloth and it seemed to him a veritable battle had taken place there torn branches strewed the grass he went on very close to the bank he saw by examination of the soil where there was no more trace of tiny heels and little shoes that the woman who had been found there was carried and carried into a boat of which the place of fastening to the bank was still visible they have carried off natasha he cried in a surge of anguish bungler that i am that is my fault too all my fault all my fault they wish to avenge michael nikolaevitch's death for which they hold natasha responsible and they have kidnapped her his eyes searched the great arm of the river for a boat the river was deserted not a sail nothing visible on the dead waters what shall i do what shall i do i must save her he resumed his course along the river who could give him any useful information he drew near a little shelter occupied by a guard the guard was speaking to an officer perhaps he had noticed something during his watch that evening along the river that branch of the river was almost always deserted after the day was over a boat plying between these shores in the twilight would certainly attract attention rouletabille showed the guard the paper Couperine had given him in the beginning and with the officer who turned out to be a police officer as interpreter he asked his questions as a matter of fact the guard had been sufficiently puzzled by the doings and comings of a light boat which after disappearing for an instant around the bend of the river had suddenly rowed swiftly out again and accosted a sailing yacht which appeared at the opening of the gulf it was one of those small but rapid and elegant sailing crafts such as are seen in the lachta regattas lachta the bay of lachta the word was a ray of light for the reporter who recalled now the counsel gunsovsky had given him watch the bay of lachka and tell me then if you still believe natasha is innocent gunsovsky must have known when he said this that natasha had embarked in company with the nihilists but evidently he was ignorant that she had gone with them under compulsion as their prisoner was it too late to save natasha 
In any case, before he died, he would try in every way possible, so as at least to have kept her as much as he could from the disaster for which he held himself responsible. He ran to the bark, near the point. His voice was firm as he hailed the canoe of the floating restaurant where, thanks to him, Kupriyan had been thwarted in impotent anger. He had himself taken to just below Staria Derevnia, and jumped out at the spot where he saw little Katharina disappear a few days before. He landed in the mud and climbed on hands and knees up the slope of a roadway which followed the bank. This bank led to the Bay of Lachka, not far from the frontier of Finland. On Rouletabille's left lay the sea, the immense gulf with slight waves. To his right was the decaying stretch of marsh, stagnant water stretching to the horizon, coarse grass and reeds, an extraordinary tangle of water-plants, small ponds whose greenish scum did not stir under the stiff breeze, water that was heavy and dirty. Along this narrow strip of land, thrust thus between the marsh, the sky, and the sea, he hurried with many stumblings, his eyes fixed on the deserted gulf. Suddenly he turned his head at a singular noise. At first he didn't see anything, but heard in the distance a vague clamoring while a sort of vapor commenced to rise from the marsh. Then he noticed nearer him the high marsh grasses undulating. Finally he saw a countless flock rising from the bed of the marshes. Beasts, groups of beasts, whose horns one saw like bayonets, jostled each other, trying to keep to the firm land. Many of them swam, and on the backs of some were naked men, stark naked, with hair falling to their shoulders and streaming behind them like manes. They shouted war-cries and waved their clubs. Rouletabille stopped short before this prehistoric invasion. He would never have imagined that a few miles from the Newski prospect he could have found himself in the midst of such a spectacle. These savages had not even a loincloth. Where did they come from with their herd? From what remote place in the world, or in old and gone history, had they emerged? And what was this new invasion? What prodigious slaughterhouse awaited these unruly herds? They made a noise like thunder in the marsh. Here were a thousand unkempt haunches undulating in the marsh like the ocean as a storm approaches. The stark naked men jumped along the route, waving their clubs, crying gutturally in a way the beasts seemed to understand. They worked their way out from the marsh and turned toward the city, leaving behind, to swath the view of them a while and then fade away, a pestilential haze that hung like an aura about the naked long-haired men. It was terrible and magnificent. In order not to be shoved into the water, Rouletabille had climbed a small rock that stood beside the route, and had waited there as though petrified himself. When the barbarians had finally passed by, he climbed down again, but the route had become a bog of trampled filth. Happily, he heard the noise of a primitive conveyance behind him. It was a telega. Curiously primitive, the telega is four-wheeled, with two planks thrown crudely across the axle-trees. Rouletabille gave the man who was seated in it three roubles, and jumped into the planks beside him, and the two little Finnish horses, whose manes hung clear to the mud, went like the wind. Such crude conveyances are necessary on such crude roads, but it requires a strong constitution to make a journey on them. Still the reporter felt none of the jolting. He was so intent on the sea in the coast of Lachka Bay. The vehicle finally reached a wooden bridge across a murky creek. As the day commenced to fade colorlessly, Rouletabille jumped off onto the shore, and his rustic equipage crossed to the Sestroyesk side. It was a corner of land, black and somber, as his thoughts that he surveyed now. Watch the Bay of Lachka. The reporter knew that this desolate plain, this impenetrable marsh, 
this sea which offered the fugitive refuge in innumerable fords had always been a useful retreat for nihilistic adventurers a hundred legends circulated in st petersburg about the mysteries of lachka marshes and that gave him his last hope maybe he would be able to run across some revolutionaries to whom he could explain about natasha as prudently as possible he might even see natasha herself gunsovsky could not have spoken vain words to him between the Latskrinsky marsh and the strand he perceived on the edge of the forest which run as far as sestroyesk a little wooden house whose walls were painted a reddish-brown and its roof green it was not the russian isba but the finnish tuba however a russian sign announced it to be a restaurant the young man had to take only a few steps to enter it he was the only customer there an old man with glasses and a long grey beard evidently the proprietor of the establishment stood behind the counter presiding over the zakuskis rouletabille chose some little sandwiches which he placed on a plate he took a bottle of pivo and made the man understand that later if it were possible he would like a good hot supper the other made a sign that he understood and showed him into an adjoining room which was used for diners rouletabille was quite ready enough to die in the face of his failures but he did not wish to perish from hunger a table was placed beside a window looking out over the sea and over the entrance to the bay it could not have been better with his eye now on the horizon now on the estuary nearby he commenced to eat with gloomy avidity he was inclined to feel sorry for himself to indulge in self-pity just the same two and two always makes four he said to himself but in my calculations perhaps i have forgotten the third ah there was a time when i would not have overlooked anything and even now i haven't overlooked anything if natasha is innocent having literally scoured the plate he struck the table a great blow with his fist and said she is just then the door opened rouletabille supposed the proprietor of the place was entering it was Couperiane. he rose startled he could not imagine by what mystery the prefect of police had made his way here but he rejoiced from the bottom of his heart for if he was trying to rescue natasha from the hands of the revolutionaries Couperiane would be a valuable ally he clapped the prefect on the shoulder well well he said almost joyfully i certainly did not expect you here how is your wound nichevo not worth speaking about it's nothing and the general and ah that frightful night and those two unfortunates who nichevo nichevo and poor ermolai nichevo nichevo it is nothing rouletabille looked him over the prefect of police had an arm in a sling but he was bright and shining as a new ten-rouble piece while he poor rouletabille was so abominably soiled and depressed where did he come from Couperian understood his look and smiled well i have just come from the finland train it is the best way well what can you have come here to do excellency the same thing as you bah exclaimed rouletabille do you mean to say that you have come here to save natasha how to save her i came to capture her to capture her monsieur rouletabille i have a very fine little dungeon in st peter and paul fortress that is all ready for her you are going to throw natasha into a dungeon the emperor's order monsieur rouletabille and if you see me here in person it's simply because his majesty requires that the thing be done as respectfully and discreetly as possible natasha in prison cried the reporter who saw horror in all aspects rising before him at one and the same time for what reasons pray the reason is simple enough natasha fedorovna is the last word in wickedness and doesn't deserve anybody's pity she is the accomplice of the revolutionaries and the instigator of all the crimes against her father i am sure you are mistaken excellency but how have you been guided to her 
simply by you by me yes we lost all trace of natacha but as you had disappeared also i made up my mind that you could only be occupied in searching for her and that by finding you i might have the chance to lay my hands on her but i haven't seen any of your men why one of them brought you here me yes you didn't you climb onto a telega ah the driver exactly i had arranged to have him meet me at the sestroyesk station he pointed out the place where you dropped off and here i am the reporter bent his head red with chagrin decidedly the sinister idea that he was responsible for the death of an innocent man and all the ills which had followed out of it had paralyzed his detective talents he recognized it now what was the use of struggling if anyone had told him that he would be played with that way some time he rouletabille he would have laughed heartily enough then but now well he wasn't capable of anything further he was his own most cruel enemy not only was natacha in the hands of the revolutionaries through his fault by his abominable error but worse yet in the very moment when he wished to save her he foolishly naively had conducted the police to the very spot where they should have been kept away it was the depth of his humiliation Kuprian really pitied the reporter come don't blame yourself too much said he we would have found natacha without you gonsovsky notified us that she was going to embark in the bay of lachka this evening with priemkov natacha with priemkov exclaimed rouletabille natacha with the man who introduced the two living bombs into her father's house if she is with him excellency it is because she is his prisoner and that alone will be sufficient to prove her innocence i thank the heaven that has sent you here Kuprian swallowed a glass of vodka poured another after it and finally deigned to translate his thought natacha is the friend of these precious men and we will see them disembark hand in hand your men then haven't studied the traces of the struggle that these precious men have had on the banks of the neva before they carried away natacha oh they haven't been hoodwinked as a matter of fact the struggle was quite too visible not to have been done for appearances sake what a child you are can't you see that natacha's presence in the dacha had become quite too dangerous for that charming young girl after the poisoning of her father and stepmother failed and at that moment when her comrades were preparing to send general trebasoff a pleasant little gift of dynamite she arranged to get away and yet to appear kidnapped it is too simple rouletabille raised his head there is something simpler still to imagine than the culpability of natacha it is that priemkov schemed to pour the poison into the flask of vodka saying to himself that if the poison didn't succeed at least it would make the occasion for introducing his dynamite into the house in the pockets of the doctors that they would go to find kuprian seized rouletabille's wrist and threw some terrible words at him looking into the depths of his eyes it was not priemkov who poured the poison because there was no poison in the flask rouletabille as he heard this extraordinary declaration rose more startled than he had ever been in the course of this startling campaign if there was no poison in the flask the poison must have been poured directly into the glasses by a person who was in the kiosk now there were only four persons in the kiosk the two who were poisoned and natasha and himself rouletabille and that kiosk was so perfectly isolated that it was impossible for any other persons than the four who were there to pour poison upon the table but it is not possible he cried it is so possible that it is so Perry alexis declared that there is no poison in the flask and i ought to tell you that an analysis i had made after his bears him out 
There was no poison either in the small bottle you took to Pere Alexis, and into which you yourself had poured the contents of Natasha's glass and yours. No trace of poison excepting in two of the four glasses. Arsenate of soda was found only on the soiled napkins of Trebasov and his wife, and in the two glasses they drank from. "'Oh, that is horrible!' muttered the stupefied reporter. "'That is horrible, for then the poisoner must be either Natasha or me.' "'I have every confidence in you,' declared Kuprian, with a great laugh of satisfaction, striking him on the shoulder. "'And I arrest Natasha, and you who love logic ought to be satisfied now.' Rouletabille hadn't a word more to say. He sat down again and let his head fall into his hands, like one sleep has seized. "'Ah, our young girls, you don't know them. They are terrible, terrible,' said Kuprian, lighting a big cigar much more terrible than the boys. In good families the boys still enjoy themselves, but the girls they read. It goes to their heads. They are ready for anything. They know neither father nor mother. Ah, you are a child. You cannot comprehend. Two lovely eyes, a melancholy air, a soft low voice, and you are captured. You believe you have before you simply an inoffensive good little girl. Well, Rouletabille, here is what I will tell you for your instruction. There was the time of the Chipov attack. The revolutionaries who were assigned to kill Chipov were disguised as coachmen and footmen. Everything had been carefully prepared, and it would seem that no one could have discovered the bombs in the place they had been stored. Well, do you know the place where those bombs were found? In the rooms of the governor, of Vladimir's daughter. Exactly, my little friend, just there, the rooms of the governor's daughter, Mademoiselle Alexeyev. Ah, these young girls! Besides, it was this same Mademoiselle Alexeyev who so prettily pierced the brain of an honest Swiss merchant who had the misfortune to resemble one of our ministers. If we had hanged that charming young girl earlier, my dear Monsieur Rouletabille, that last catastrophe might have been avoided. A good rope around the neck of all these little females! It is the only way! The only way! A man entered. Rouletabille recognized the driver of the telega. There were some rapid words between the chief and the agent. The man closed the shutters of the room, but through the interstices they would be able to see what went on outside. Then the agent left. Kuprian, as he pushed aside the table that was near the window, said to the reporter, "'You had better come to the window. My man has just told me the boat is drawing near. You can watch an interesting sight. We are sure that Natasha is still aboard. The yacht, after the explosion at the dacha, took up two men who put off to it in a canoe.' and since then it has simply sailed back and forth in the gulf. We have taken our precautions in Finland, the same as here, and it is here they are going to try to disembark. Keep an eye on them. Kuprian was at his post of observation. Evening slowly fell. The sky was growing grayish-black, a tint that blended with the slate-colored sea. To those on the bank the sound of the man about to die came softly across the water. There was a sail far out. Between the strand and the tuba where Kuprian watched was a ridge, a window, which, however, did not hide the shore or the bay from the prefect of police, because at the height where he was his glance passed at an angle above it. But from the sea this ridge entirely hid anyone who lay in ambush behind it. The reporter watched fifty mujiks flat on their stomachs, crawling up the ridge, behind two of their number whose heads alone topped the ridge. In the line of gaze taken by those two heads was the white sail, looming much larger now. The yacht was heeled in the water, and glided with real elegance, heading straight on. Suddenly, just when they supposed she was coming straight to shore, the sails fell and a canoe was dropped over the side. Four men got into it. Then a woman jumped lightly down a little gangway into the canoe. It was Natasha. 
Kupriyan had no difficulty in recognizing her through the gathering darkness. "'Ah, my dear Monsieur Rouletabille,' said he, "'see your prisoner of the Nihilists. Notice how she is bound. Her thongs certainly are causing her great pain. These revolutionaries surely are brutes.' The truth was that Natasha had gone quite readily to the rudder, and while the others rowed, she steered the light boat to the place on the beach that had been pointed out to her. Soon the prow of the canoe touched the sands. There did not seem to be a soul about, and that was the conclusion the men in the canoe, who stood up looking round, seemed to reach. They jumped out, and then it was Natasha's turn. She accepted the hand held out to her, talking pleasantly with the men all the time. She even turned to press the hand of one of them. The group came up across the beach. All this time the watchers in the little eating-house could see the false moujiks, who had wriggled on their stomachs to the very edge of the ridge, holding themselves ready to spring. Behind his shudder Kupriyan could not restrain an exclamation of triumph. He gradually identified some of the figures in the group, and muttered, "'Eh, eh, there is Priemkov himself, and the others. Gunsovsky is right, and he certainly is well informed. His system is decidedly a good one. What a netful!' He hardly breathed as he watched the outcome. He could discern elsewhere beside the bay, flat on the ground, concealed by the slightest elevation of the soil, other false moujiks. The wood of Sestroyesk was watched in the same way. The group of revolutionaries who strolled behind Natasha stopped to confer. In three, maybe two, minutes they would be surrounded, cut off, taken in the trap. Suddenly a gunshot sounded in the night, and the group, with startled speed, turned in their tracks and made silently for the sea, while from all directions poured the concealed agents and threw themselves into the pursuit, jostling each other and crying after the fugitives. But the cries became cries of rage, for the group of revolutionaries gained the beach. They saw Natasha, who was held up by Priemkov himself, reject the aid of the nihilist, who did not wish to abandon her in order that he might save himself. She made him go, and seeing that she was going to be taken, stopped short, and waited for the enemy stoically, with folded arms. Meanwhile, her three companions succeeded in throwing themselves into the canoe, and plied the oars hard, while Kupriyan's men, in the water up to their chests, discharged their revolvers at the fugitives. The men in the canoe, fearing to wound Natasha, made no reply to the firing. The yacht had sails up by the time they drew alongside and made off like a bird toward the mysterious fords of Finland, audaciously hoisting the black flag of the revolution. Meanwhile, Kupriyan's agents, trembling before his anger, gathered at the eating-house. The prefect of police let his fury loose on them and treated them like the most infamous of animals. The capture of Natasha was little comfort. He had planned for the whole bag, and his men's stupidity took away all his self-control. If he had had a whip at hand, he would have found prompt solace for his mind hopes. Natasha, standing in a corner, with her face singularly calm, watched this extraordinary scene that was like a menagerie in which the tamer himself had become a wild beast. From another corner Rouletabille kept his eyes fixed on Natasha, who ignored him. Ah, that girl, sphinx to them all, even to him who thought a while ago that he could read things invisible to other vulgar men in her features, in her eyes the impassive face of that girl whose father they had tried to assassinate only a few hours before and who had just pressed the hand of priemkov the assassin once she turned her head slightly toward rouletabille the reporter then looked toward her with increased eagerness his eyes burning as though he would say surely natasha you are not the accomplice of your father's assassins surely it was not you who poured the poison but natasha's glance passed the reporter coldly over Ah, that mysterious cold mask, the mouth with its bitter, impudent smile, an atrocious smile which seemed to say to the reporter, 
if it is not i who poured the poison then it is you it was the visage common enough to the daughters whom Kupriyan had spoken of a little while before the young girls who read and their reading done set themselves to accomplish some terrible thing some thing because of which from time to time they placed stiff ropes around the necks of these young females finally Kupriyan's frenzy wore itself out and he made a sign the men filed out in dismal silence two of them remained to guard natasha from outside came the sounds of a carriage from Sestroyesk, ready to convey the girl to the dungeons of saints peter and paul a final gesture from the prefect of police and the rough hands of the two guards seized the prisoner's frail wrists they hustled her along thrust her outside jamming her against the doorway venting thus their anger at the reproaches of their chief a few seconds later the carriage departed not to stop until the fortress was reached with the trickling tombs under the bed of the river where young girls about to die are confined who have read too much without entirely understanding as monsieur kropotkin says Kupriyan prepared to leave in turn rouletabille stopped him excellency i wish you to tell me why you have shown such anger to your men just now they're brute beasts cried the chief of police quite beside himself again they have made me miss the biggest catch of my life they threw themselves on the group two minutes too early some of them fired a gun that they took for the signal and that served to warn the nihilists but i will let them all rot in prison until i learn which one fired that shot you needn't look far for that said rouletabille i did it you then you must have gone outside the tuba yes in order to warn them but still i was a little late since you did take natasha Kupriyan's eyes blazed. "'You are their accomplice in all this,' he hurled at the reporter, "'and I am going to the Tsar for permission to arrest you.' "'Hurry, then, Excellency,' replied the reporter coldly, "'because the Nihilists, who also think they have a little account to settle with me, may reach me before you.' And he saluted. End of chapter 14 Read by Don W. Jenkins Rancho San Diego, California Shaggybark.blogspot.com